Welcome to Illuminate Greatness, the podcast that explores the latest trends in marketing and public relations and highlights the most positively powerful brands and people who are making a difference in our world. And now your host, entrepreneur, marketing and public relations expert, advocate, spiritual explorer, mother, and founder of Olive Creative Strategies, Jennifer Borba von Stauffenberg. Thank you so much for joining us today for Illuminate Greatness. Today, I'm so privileged to be sitting here with a sensational and very witty Sarah Douse. She's the editor of Wear Traveler San Diego magazine, formerly known as Wear San Diego. So there's been a little change. Yes. Wear Guestbook and Performances Magazine and SoCalPills.com. And probably most importantly, she's the doggy mom to Gigi, which I know is her pride and joy. Thank you for squeezing that in. (laughs) Of course. Gigi will be listening to this. She'll, yeah, give you a bark of thank you for the acknowledgement. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. <laughs> thanks for One of the me. things that I was thinking about that I think is so incredible about what you do is that you truly illuminate greatness of our city that I love so much. And I don't know if you realize quite the impact that you make on businesses and maybe even more exciting, the vacations of people who come from all around the world to have this unforgettable experience. I was thinking about you and I realized that you frame vacations for people because Where Traveler San Diego Magazine is actually in hotel rooms. And so people come from all over the world and what they get is an an invitation from Sarah Douse to have (laughs) the most extraordinary weekend or week or month of their life. And do you take time to actually think that through? I do once in a while. Thank you, by the way. You know, I've been doing this for a little over seven years now this gig. And we just came out with our fall issue, which just hit hotels literally like this week. And once in a great while, I stop and think, wow, this is something, a physical, you know, product that I work on regularly every single day that winds up in the hands of somebody visiting San Diego. And now they're using that as their guide to go out and explore the city. So I don't take that for granted. I still feel very humbled that I get to do this. So powerful. Yeah, it's really, you. it's cool because I know when people come to visit, they ask me what they should do and yes. you do that for thousands and thousands of people every day. It's yeah. I have to pinch myself. You know, I literally get to explore what to do, what to eat, where to go, what to see everything from shopping to the beaches, to anything that's a destination, literally where to go in San Diego. So I'm literally out and about pretty much every single day trying to figure out what that is and trying to put together sort of um, a suggested itinerary for how to spend your time when you're here. And so I'm literally playing tourist in order to speak to tourists. So I, yeah, it does not get old and there's never any shortage of content, which is, you know, people ask, how do you come up with all these ideas? And like the ideas come to me every single day and I'm trying to keep up with the latest restaurant opening, the latest awesome. whatever. It's a lot well, to keep up with. It looks like so fun, much fun from <laughs> the outside. It's a lot of fun. I love following your social media pages because of Thank where you. you're at, but also your outfits. You have <laughs> the best style, and I love, I'm always inspired oh, by your confidence. Oh, and I blame that sharing. on, a, I grew up on a horse farm back in Ohio. I'm one of seven kids. We went to Catholic school. Wow. We were Catholic. And so whenever I would, you know, want to get new clothes as a kid, it was new. I competed in 4-H. I rode horses. And so I would get new riding breeches and equestrian type outfits and never any nice new clothes because I went to Catholic school. And so 
I always thought when I grow up, I'm going to move to California and I'm going to wear pretty outfits <laughs> every so day. Amazing. And you did 19 <laughs> years ago. I just read your editor's years. note and this yes. is your 19 year mark. That's incredible. Yes. I literally write, I'm aging myself here, but, um, right after college, you know, I always tell the story. Um, I've told it in my letters from the editor before after college, I was back in Ohio. I graduated from Bowling Green State University land of cornfields and very good people. But I'm like, I just, I know I'm, I should be in California. I just belong there. I'd never been to California, well, but I, I just grew felt... up in California in a town that sounds just like that. Really? So. <laughs> <laughs> but at that time, when you're back in small town, Ohio, and you think of California, you're picturing the show Baywatch. You think all of California looks like the show Baywatch. I have okay. no clue. And so I flipped a quarter and said, you know, if it lands on heads, I'm going to move to San Francisco. And if it lands on tails, I'm going to move to San Diego. And it landed on tails. And so that was 19 years ago. Um, I found a job in public relations, moved out here by I myself. Saw, I actually didn't, didn't know one single person in, in town. Nobody just literally completely on my own, mm. which is when I look back at that now, I'm like, that's crazy that I did that. Did you know that you wanted to go into journalism when you were a kid? I knew that I wanted to write. My mom is actually a very well-known book author. She's, yeah, very famous. She wrote historical romance novels growing up. She's written dozens of books. And she's gone on, she's branched out to write stories about the environment, to children's books, to, she wrote a book on pit bulls, which I'm a pit bull advocate. I have a pit bull. That's my dog, Gigi. So my mom was really my mentor. She had a home office and raised, you know, seven kids and made a really good living as an author. And so my dad was a great writer as well. So that was what I always excelled in at school was English and writing and things like that. So when I started my career in public relations, I was not so good at the pitching and cold calling and all of that. Um, I did my best, but where I excelled within my PR job was writing. And so over time, I thought, you know, I would like to be on the other side of that telephone pitching. (laughs) I'd like to be the editor being pitched versus the PR person (laughs) doing the pitching. So thankfully that my career sort of went that path, which I'm like, I'm actually doing what I went to college for and I have a career doing that and I love what I do. I'm like, is that normal? I imagine (laughs) that you have some books also in you too that you'll probably write being raised by an author and being a writer. Is that something you aspire to do? I am. I am slowly but surely. I've been working on it for maybe 10 years now, working on my sort of tell-all that I, you know... So it's my running joke, like, you better be nice to me because you're going to be in my book. book. Yes. <laughs> Maybe we should hold each other accountable to get our books out in the next couple of years. Oh, are you working one as well? I've been working on one for about 10 years as well. And I'm like 75 pages in, but always go, this, I need to start over. I have a new idea now. And it's all along the same lines, but it's just the right way to t- share the story. Got it. So... It'll be fun when it's it good. happens. It's good to just get it. You know, for me, it started as just journaling or diarying. Diarying is that a word? Diarying like as a verb. Sounds like diary. <laughs> <laughs> journaling, writing. Of course, me, the editor, the grammar geek, is making up words. But um, yeah, it started just putting down my thoughts, and over time, I'm like, this is actually an interesting story of you know how I grew up and my career and all of that. So hopefully, one day I'll actually get it written and do something awesome. with it. I see that happening. It would be a waste because you have such a great sense of humor. She promised that she would keep it together for the podcast. I told her she didn't have to. I'm known for my filthy sailor mouth. I don't know where that came from, but... It's called honesty. Okay, is that what it is? (laughs) Then fuck yes. (laughs) That's me. I love it. So I met you back at 944 Magazine where you built a little empire for yourself. It was, I thought it was... Me and many others, yes. I was on the coattails of, yeah, yeah, some great 
mentors and bosses who started that magazine. But yeah, that was, um, was such a great one. I always loved it. It was, we were just a bunch of kids running a magazine. And having fun. Yes. Um, so I was in my 20s and I was transitioning from public relations into being an actual editor at a magazine and got the gig as managing editor of 944 San Diego. And at the time we were just in two cities about to launch into three. Phoenix is where the magazine started and then okay. San Diego and then Vegas. And over the course of the next few years after that, um, we were in 10 cities you know, fashion, nightlife, shopping, dining, all that kind of stuff. And I was traveling a lot and got to meet celebrities. And we, it was just this wild ride of, you know, a bunch of young people running this magazine. So, so fun. I was there for about six years. Yeah. What are some of the, so now you get to explore the city as a tourist and I yeah. see that you're always watching plays and going to openings. What are some yes. of the most exciting things that you have had the privilege of doing because of your career path? The biggest sort of epiphany for me uh, with this particular job at Wear and Performances Magazine is getting my eyes opened to our performing arts scene. Before I had this job, I didn't, honestly, I'd never been to the opera here. I didn't go to, you know, classical music concerts. I didn't know much about our local theater scene. Mm -hmm. And I got immersed into the whole scene through this job. And I can't tell you, Jen, how impressed I am by our local theater venues. We put out the Old Globe Theater, La Jolla Playhouse, the San Diego Symphony, the San Diego Opera. Their new season starts in October. I have found such talent and such, it's my version of escaping the rest of the world and being present to go and sit in a dark space in a theater and look at people performing live in front of me. I can't look at my phone. I can't think about anything else. It's a true escape. And a lot of our plays and musicals start in San Diego, go on to Broadway more so than pretty much any other city wow, in the country, I which a lot no of people idea. don't know that. La Jolla Playhouse has had dozens, I think, hopefully I won't get corrected on that later, many uh, productions that, you know, were San Diego, had their world premiere in San Diego and went on to Broadway. The Old Globe has had many similar successes. So my idea of a good time now, maybe because I'm older as well, rather than go spend money, you know, I love going out, you know, to nightclubs and things once in a while too, but my idea of a perfect Saturday night is take me to the theater, lose me in a storyline, act for me, sing for me. There's so much talent in this city that I think gets overshadowed when you think of, you know, the theater scene because well, Los Angeles and other places have uh, yeah. such great theater scenes, but ours is amazing. And I, I personally love it. That's, you know, not just my job. I, I'll go anyway. I'll pay to go often to see something twice because I love the production so much. I love that. So I that's think been San my Diego gets the shaft, sort of, so to speak, in lots of things. Yeah. And so, you know, people go to New York to go to Broadway and they go to Los Angeles to see plays. And there's so much here. And I tell people all the time, when I first started Olive, I wanted to devote about 40% of our business to elevating arts and culture in San Diego because yes. I could never understand. People would always say to me, I can't believe you live in San Diego. You seem like you'd live in Chicago or New York <laughs> or San Francisco. And I'd say, what are you talking about? And they'd be like, well, don't you love art and like things like that? And it's it, that's all in San Diego. I don't know what you're talking about. I know that's been a big focus with your career and yeah. with Olive as well. Um, it's be, just because it's my personal passion. I love it. I do have to admit that I don't get out to plays here. And I we every year, my husband and I say, we need to start doing this more. <laughs> but uh, we have littles, and they are very time-consuming. <laughs> so whenever we go out now, it's like 
going to a play or going to a movie is sort of out the door. It's got to be time where we can have face-to-face time, like, talking and yeah. stuff like that. So we lately we've been doing, like, hiking dates, which I think is really fun. And there's, yeah, endless opportunities and places totally. to go do that here, too. But we, if we could just schedule more dates, then we can make signs of going to plays again. <laughs> so we're going to try. So I would love to, you talked a lot about exploring and doing all of these great things. And, yes. And I love to witness through your social media pages, your passion for performing arts. What are some of the cool like experiences with people that you've gotten to meet or things that are out of the ordinary? Because I know that you probably have some great stories. I meet a lot of interesting people, not necessarily a whole lot of celebrities or things like that, but you just meet people you otherwise wouldn't. Yeah. Writing a lot about local dining scene in particular, it's getting to meet um, chefs of restaurants that don't necessarily have PR representation, not that you know, that's and bad if you don't. And I want to talk about PR representation yes. and people who don't have PR representation. Sure. All that in just a second. Yeah, sure. So it's been meeting just the people more behind the scenes that, mm-hmm. you know, run the house, who are the managers of restaurants, bartenders that are just there to make you a great drink. They don't need a whole lot of, you know, press or dazzle or flash. It's more those types of experiences that have been more special to me. Awesome. Um, Once in a while, I do get to meet, you know, interview a celebrity. I'm trying to think of somebody I've met that was particularly... uh, The comedian Eddie Izzard I got to meet a year and a half ago after um, Um, one of his shows. Like, little things like that that are just... You know, very a lot of people fun, that but I talk to have the same reaction. They have really? said that, the, of course, they've met the celebrities, and that's great. But it's those the stories that you wouldn't hear otherwise that are most interesting. Which yes. I think it's powerful, and it says so much about humanity. And it's one of the things that I respect about all of you so much is that you really are seeking great things to share with the world. And so, Thank for you. those people who are trying to get their great things in front of you, yes. because this really <laughs> is about understanding marketing and public relations and how to grow businesses, even though we are sharing a lot of great stories. (laughs) I want to hear from you, you know, what works, what gets your attention and what doesn't? That has changed a lot over the years. And I always say, I was just meeting with a gal yesterday. I had coffee with a gal who's working with local jewelry company and was asking my input of, you know, how do I, you know, get the word out of, you know, this jeweler's story to the media and what do you suggest? And do you suggest I work with a PR agency and all of that? And I sort of like tooted my own horn for a second and said, well, honestly, I think I'm a lot nicer than a lot of other editors. Only, And I say that only because I used to do PR and I know what it's like to be the person on the other end putting together what you think is this beautiful pitch or press release and, you know, emailing it out to, you know, the editors on your list and you don't hear anything back or you call them and they don't want to talk to you. And so I know what that feels like. So I try to look at as many email pitches as I can in a day, but it's very hard. I could literally sit at my computer all day and do nothing but look at emails and not do right. any actual it's work. It's unreasonable. And so, that's what we talk about as an agency all the time. I, I can't, can't physically respond to everything. <laughs> the things that get my attention are obviously basic PR 101. Know my audience. Know my product. Know what I write about and what I don't. You would be shocked how many pitches I get in a day from people that you know have no clue what where Traveler San Diego even covers. They're pitching me you know, things on real estate services and things like that. They don't know that we're crazy. They just literally have not done any homework Mm -hmm. whatsoever. So, um, I always appreciate when I get an email, you know, from someone at Olive saying, Hey Sarah, I love, 
I see that your, you know, your dining issue is coming up and you're planning to do a story on sandwiches and I have a client that makes great sandwiches and that could be a great fit for your where now section in the front of the magazine. Like speak directly to me. There it is. Like, okay, I'm going to stop and think about that. That's For one me, of my biggest pet peeves. If I think that <laughs> if you aren't reading magazines and you're not watching TV or listening to radio, you have no business reaching out to these people. For one, right. it totally congests the entire space for all of us who are doing our homework so that media people start to ignore emails because they just get too many that aren't relevant. And it's also just mm-hmm. disrespectful if people want to get something. It's like they're going to get something from you instead of providing a service, which is to provide you with information that will result in a great story that will support you with your goals too. Right. I look at, you know, the PR media relationship, which it is, as an extension of someone on my team. Those who are really good at PR and know our publications really well are helping me to do my job better. Totally. So it's not like, oh, what are you going to give me? Invite me into this restaurant, hook it up, and maybe I'll throw you a bone. No, if you're giving me a great idea, then you're a resource to me versus somebody just trying to get a quick, you know, hit for their client that's not doing, you know, the the homework on their end to speak to what I write about. So you'd be in that mix of, you know, my handful of PR agencies that I work with regularly that get it, that I see as, you know, a resource that helps me do my job better, makes me look good. Well, and we can't survive without you either, you know, and that's, I think, what is so interesting to me about people who don't do their homework, particularly who work in agencies, is that there aren't that many publications in the world, really. And if our businesses depend on our relationships with media, at the very least, any relationship, it's based on mutual respect. And isn't it more respectful to pay attention and to honor and acknowledge Mm-hmm. I think one of the first habits that I started when I got into this business was to actually read the magazines and to send notes of acknowledgement for just things that I like to read mm-hmm. versus trying to pitch all the time. Just because it's like you read something and you have this person's email, you might as well provide them with the feedback that you love it and you think it's great. And it's something mm-hmm. that I press upon the team that you can't always be, you have to establish a relationship. You can't always tell your friend that you want them to buy you dinner, buy me dinner, buy me dinner, buy me dinner. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you have to show up and buy them dinner too, you know? And it's such an interesting thing how this industry works because a lot of people approach media like they're getting something from you, that they're going to, yes, they're going to trick you like a bait and switch. And it's so silly because I say to my team, <laughs> Be really honest. I imagine I've heard from other editors, too, that you sometimes receive pitches where you're not sure if they're inviting you as a consumer, if they want you to write a story, like what the intention is, because it's so obscure versus I'd like for you to consider this for your section on this and this and this. And I even get them. Somehow (laughs) I've gotten on media lists and I get these pitches and I'm like, wow, do I take the time to reply to them to let them know this doesn't work? (laughs) Well, people ask, like, what do you do with all these emails you get? And when I can't respond to every single one in a day, um, I'm very organized with my job. I have to be, but I'm not overly, you know, anal retentive, organized the rest outside of uh, the job. But I literally have, it's a Word document. It's called my story idea list. And if I get pitched an idea that I could maybe come back to and use some other time, I file it into a story idea folder, my inbox, and I just manually write it down. Jen, all of PR, new restaurant client, date, you know, September, whatever. And then I'll probably reply to you maybe a month later if I'm working on something that is relevant to your client. Awesome. It's very simple, easy. (laughs) I acknowledge it, file it away, and then it might take me a while to reply. So 
Um, usually when I'm on the hunt for photos, which is like, okay, two months later, you sent me this idea on your client. Now I need photos and you know, I needed them yesterday. Can you please jump in? Yep. And we love those. I apologize for those emails. Are you kidding? We live for those. That's the whole point. I tell the girls, you should only book six hours of your day because we're opportunists. And when they say jump, you say how high, (laughs) when and where, and that's our job. And then some, yeah, out of nowhere, it'll get like 12 emails from Sarah at Wear Magazine. Like Sarah needs photos for this and this and this and this. And that was something I pitched her a long time ago. So I tend to operate that way because I have to, I can't pause and take in the 350 to 400 emails that I get in a day. So what causes you to choose that cover? What could, you know, I get asked all the time from our clients, how do I get on the cover? And so tell me about that. Our covers are looked at and decided between basically three people. Our art director, Carol, who's amazing. She's based in our LA office. Um, Our publisher, my boss, Jeff Levy, and myself. And as we're putting together art, meaning photos for each issue, Carol will start just looking at what might be a beautiful photo. Mm -hmm. So, oh, that's a great looking dish. Oh, that's a great looking shot of the flower fields. It's about the photo, but it's the way that we look at it. The three of us look at it very different ways. I look at it as, okay, that my main feature story in this issue is about barbecue. So that photo of the barbecue shot, that would make a great cover. Carol's looking at it more from an art director design you know, standpoint. She's looking at the colors of it and all of that. Jeff is looking at, is this going to look good sitting in a hotel room and make a guest of the hotel want to pick it up? Because that's mm-hmm. where the magazine is carried is in hotel rooms all over San Diego. And so most of the time, the three of us agree. Once in a while, we disagree and look for something else. Ultimately, it's Jeff's decision. And But our covers are, we try to mix them up. We try to, just in the world of Instagram, where everybody posts really pretty photos of food, we try to at least make the photo resonate that this was shot somewhere in San Diego and not just a sort of a generic stock image. But if it's a photo of a really beautiful cocktail, we'll run that as long as we mix it up occasionally. So it's a very organic process. It's not like, well, our main feature story is on this, so we need to have a photo about this story on the cover. Sometimes our cover photos don't really have much to do with, (laughs) you know, it's just a really pretty photo that screams fall in San Diego or springtime in San Diego. So... I know that's a very like sort of a coveted and once in a while we just, you know, we'll go with something very different than we usually do and surprise a local fashion designer whose uh, image is on the cover of our new fall issue. She owns a shop in Solana Beach called Satori Designs and her clothing appears on a model that is on the cover of our fall issue. She didn't ask for the cover. She didn't know about it. So hopefully she's thrilled when she sees it. If she hasn't seen it yet, it just came out. So sometimes we do that and we sort of surprise local business owners by saying, you're going to be on our cover. I bet that part of the job is a lot of fun, too, just getting to tell people that you're doing it. It's so much fun. Especially with the guest book. I bet the guest book just lights people up. The guest book is my baby. That's, you know, we start working on it every February. It comes out in August. So it's, you know, I always say it's kind of like this full-time job on top of my regular job. But it's, yeah, it's our annual hardback coffee table book telling the bigger stories of San Diego. So So we usually do a big dining piece, some sort of history piece, architecture slash design piece, and then just any stories that just sort of come to me. So I'm always thinking of those bigger San Diego stories Mm -hmm. that we want to tell. Our book that just came out has, you know, we did a photo essay on Ocean Beach Mm -hmm. and got a bunch of fun photos of um, our photographer, Tim King, just shot everyday life in Ocean Beach. So you have, you know, people doing... He's such a great photographer. He's an amazing photographer. He actually uh, used to shoot nightlife photography for us back in our 944 days. So That's how I met him. I've known Tim since he was, I'm like, were you 12 when you started (laughs) working for (laughs) us? 
Because <laughs> he still like looks like he's 18 now, but he's a great local photographer. Yeah, but he's so um, the book is exciting because it has a shelf life of a full year. So mm-hmm. it's carried in all the hotel rooms for a full year. You know, I always wait this time of the year for a good couple months for the book to get in everyone's hands who's been featured, who is an advertiser, and just make sure that there's no mistakes, knock on wood. And then um, there usually isn't. Um, and then I can relax and actually enjoy the book. But I have a hard time even like looking at it until everyone has seen it who's you know featured in it or has some sort of stake in the book. But yeah, it's to say I'm, I'm also a book editor technically. So that's totally. an well, exciting it's such thing. a beautiful piece. It's something to be so proud of. And Thank I bet you. you that people keep it for much longer than a year after the, the year I hope so. Up. That's the idea. So it's meant to be like a collector's item and have sort of a timeless look to it. And the stories are, while they're timely, they're also, we say, timeless. So we say the magazine, where magazine is your essential guide to San Diego, and the book is the essence of San Diego, is how we differentiate it. So yeah. And it's so interesting because in decades from now, people will probably use those as reference books, like slices of history and time. That would be the greatest honor I can think of. So cool. If people so did that. we haven't talked about digital very much, and I know that digital yeah. plays a huge role in what you do. How is it changing your job, if any? I get asked that a lot. It is, you know, a very different world to be a hard copy, primarily publication in a world that is very digital. Uh, we have a digital flipbook. We have an app. We have things like that. Mm-hmm. Given our niche that we are a physical product carried mainly in hotel rooms that people still enjoy picking up and flipping through. We're running strong. But, you know, the biggest thing has been, you know, social media and how that has crept into essentially becoming an extension of who we are as a brand, who we are as a magazine. Our Instagram account, which is just where San Diego is increasingly becoming seen as like an extension of our editorial product. Mm-hmm. So um, any little bits and pieces of something that I can't fit into the magazine is now going online because I only have so much physical hard copy space to work with. But I feel like the social media component in general is changing a lot and it's almost like all right I'm just going to go with the flow and let it in and allow it to you know there's still that place for the the hard copy product but I'm a little bit of a traditionalist <laughs> too I like to hold on to the hard copy thing and yeah. I have to tell you you guys probably hear it but we see it with all of our clients you know we're working on 30 plus at any time mm-hmm. and print hits the coverage that we secure that are in the physical magazine outperform any digital hit and in terms of like conversions for sales, it's always the print hit that converts. It doesn't matter if it's a local publication or a national publication. If mm-hmm. it's in the actual print copy, it's so much stronger in terms of results. And it's something you can frame and put on a wall. And yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm a big fan of that. And, and the reason really is because online they can tout, you know, a million views, but your one story might be getting eight views. You have no idea. It depends on where it's plugged in on this giant beast of an internet. And so... I stand strong with the, I tell new clients all the time, they're like, oh, we just need online. And I say, actually, you really need print. You can't (laughs) ignore the print stuff. It is actually what's going to move the needle for you. Um, How has it impacted your work volume? Do you notice a huge difference in the pace that you have to deal with because of online or... Is that somebody else's challenge altogether? Um, I mean, we have a, like a digital editor mm-hmm. based in our LA office and um, people in each of our three Southern California offices that work on our social media accounts and all of that. So there's, you know, our websites, our social media channels, all of that. In addition to the hard copy, it's a lot. Thankfully, we have a team that, you know, I focus primarily on the hard copies, so I don't have to, you know, 
worry as much. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a lot when I think about it. I try not to it just get overwhelmed. So work for all of you. That's what, yes, I, what always comes to mind for me. Literally, the world we live in. Yeah. The exciting thing is, yeah, the social media stuff is instant, and that's you know, there's a place for that too, for that type of content. But again, like the more you know, bigger stories where people actually want to read in detail about a restaurant or whatever, there's very much a home for that in the hard copy. So absolutely. So going back to that, we talked about working with publicists, but yes. what about business owners and? independent designers who can't afford an agency yet or they don't want to make the investment and they'd like to do it themselves, how do you recommend they go about connecting with you and getting their information in your hands? Ask me to coffee, such as uh, the gal I met with yesterday morning. (laughs) I see that a lot because, as you know, San Diego is just home to so many entrepreneurs across Mm -hmm. so many different industries that don't have the bigger dollars to work with a publicist in an official capacity. But have so much to offer and bring to the table and have a story to tell. Um, The obvious first thing would be their social media and Instagram and things like that. Things that are essentially free. That's free marketing. You can't, you have nothing to lose by, you know, going to a few social media workshops Mm -hmm. and really starting to build your brand online. In terms of getting to someone like me, I still look at press releases that don't come from, you know, PR names that I recognize, things like that. Honestly, it is, you're probably more likely to get lost in the mix if you're not working with some sort of publicist, even if it's a, you know, one person, you know, person that has those relationships with the media. I will admit if you're just a small business owner and you want to be featured in Wear Magazine, you send me, you know, an out of nowhere email, I'm probably not going to look at it Mm -hmm. just because I won't know what it is. I probably won't even open it. So it's very hard to do that if you don't have somebody in a PR capacity that knows their way around the local media that has the relationships and things like that definitely very difficult. But again, going back to using social media and Instagram in particular to start building brands and things Mm -hmm. like that, that's an obvious, easy start. I don't want to like stretch myself too thin, but actually I love when people reach out to me personally, whether it's on a Facebook or whatever, and says, you know, hey, sir, I just love to pick your brain, have coffee. I'm working on this small business. How do I, I would love to know, you know, your advice for how to, you know, share my story or whatever. And that's one of my favorite things to do. Totally. And to the publicists that are listening to this, yeah. that's what I have done all these years. Um, whenever I've had like an overhaul of new clients or mm-hmm. something's going on, I've asked Sarah to coffee. Not often enough. We always say that we should do it more, <laughs> but you've always said yes, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. Um, what is your advice Likewise. to somebody who has the dream of being an editor like you? Uh, for people who are young professionals listening in, or not young professionals, but are looking for something new. This is going to sound harsh, but get over your sense of self-entitlement and be willing to roll up your sleeves and pay your dues and work hard and get as much experience as you can, whether you're interning without pay or whatever. The world of sort of editorship and journalism has obviously changed dramatic since I arrived in San Diego 19 years ago. There wasn't this social media push and all of that. My point being... Nowadays, you know, if you want to be a blogger, you can just start a blog and say you're a blogger and say you're a writer and start slapping up content and say you're a writer. I went to journalism school and did the whole thing and internships and worked my way up from nothing sort of a thing. So I guess maybe because I'm older, I'm sort of cranky about, you know, who are you young people (laughs) just coming in saying you're a blogger and now you're an influencer. I I will say to get to sort of this stage in my career being an editor in a media market, which is not very big in San Diego, There's maybe a handful of jobs where you can make a full-time living doing this right now. And so it's very hard to 
I mean, I'm so grateful that I have this job because so many writers and very talented people who were editors at other publications are doing the freelance thing. And it's very difficult to get work and make a full-time living doing this. So unless you're in a bigger media market like LA or New York, those are the places where there are more jobs. But, you know, for someone who wants to be a magazine editor, get out there, intern, you know, intern where you want to work, like go and get that experience, start writing if you want to start doing blogging, but get as much, you know, personal experience as you can and be humble about it. Do not, you know, there's this, you know, a generational thing, I'm sure with, you know, just living in a world of instant gratification, instant entitlement. And, you know, somebody who was an obscure nobody one day now has, um, 500,000 followers on Instagram because they appeared on an episode of The Bachelor and now they're an influencer <laughs> and everything just comes to them immediately. And somebody who really wants to build a career the old fashioned way, it's very difficult unless you, you know, get very lucky like that. But those are what I call fairy tale scenarios that don't happen to everybody. Like go to school, get your degree, you know, get your experience as much as you can and suck it up for a while and realize that, you know, hard work over time does get recognized. I get approached all the time by people who want to write for the magazine, who are writers and all of that. And I love hearing from them and seeing where they've written, but it's, you know, there's very few jobs to do that. So you have to keep kind of putting yourself out there and keep sort of pitching and marketing yourself. And finally you'll get a regular writing gig that hopefully can turn into a full-time job, but it's definitely changed a lot. It's very, very hard to have the kind of job that I do in the size media market for a full-time living the salary and (laughs) reflecting on San Diego and I'm very lucky I'm very very lucky it's interesting because it feels like everybody that is in a role similar to yours at different publications has been in that role for a very long time Mm -hmm. it's like we've all grown up together Mm -hmm. and and even the agency owners it's like we're all in the same age group uh, yes, <laughs> a, a large in a large part, right? And so it's, it's true. so interesting. Um, that must be pretty daunting for young professionals joining the industry, realizing that these positions have been held and are holding strong with the same people for such a long time. But there are true. opportunities because there are yes. new digital mediums. But I'm kind of with you with the influencer thing. I'm not. I don't think it's going to sustain. I'm one of the few people who does not publish my agency as an influencer marketing agency because mm-hmm. they don't, in my opinion, have much influence over me. And I am so much more interested in learning from people who have put in the work and the time. Um, there are certainly the you know the ones that the cream of the crop I do follow and I find really interesting, <laughs> but. Just because you bought some new makeup at <laughs> Nordstrom doesn't make you a beauty influencer in my book. So it's Agreed. kind of an interesting shift that's happening. I'm so grateful to you for all that you have done for oh, our city, all you, that Jen. you've done for my clients. And, thank you. And thank you for being here today. This was my a lot pleasure. Of Let's do it again. Sounds great. Interested in receiving free marketing and public relations resources? Visit IlluminateGreatness.com and subscribe to our newsletter to receive valuable weekly content that will inspire you and help you grow your business. That's IlluminateGreatness.com. Thank you for listening to the Illuminate Greatness podcast brought to you by Olive Creative Strategies.